Welcome to today's podcast um, on market abuse regulation, technology for meeting market abuse regulation challenges for the Florence School of Regulation. I am Yasmin Lee and I'm joined by my colleague Shane Henley from Beringa Partners. And let us begin the podcast by Shane giving us an intro on Mar. Thank you very much, Yasmin. So the market abuse regulation, or MAR as it's often referred to, entered into force in July 2016 and strengthens the previous market abuse directive by extending its scope into new markets, which includes far more around commodities, new trading platforms and new behaviours and introduces criminal sanctions over and above severe financial penalties for those firms or individuals who engage in market abuse. The regulation contains prohibitions against insider dealing and market manipulation, and requires firms to implement provisions to prevent and detect these activities, including a transaction surveillance capability, which will be the focus of today's podcast. Before I hand back over to Yasmin, who will cover this area in more detail, let's focus briefly on the underlying requirements of MAR. For commodity and energy firms, MAR extends its scope to cover commodity derivatives and emissions allowances, as well as spot commodities in certain situations and some benchmarks. With the intended classification, somewhat anonymously, of emissions allowances as financial instruments under the MIFID II regulation, that's Europe's framework financial market regulation from Jan 2018, these instruments will fall directly into the scope of MAR. Parties trading these allowances will be classified as emissions allowance market participants, or EMs, and will have a set of requirements applying to them under MAR. So let's briefly focus on the main requirements of MAR. Firstly, MAR prohibits the manipulation of markets, so firms must not intentionally seek to manipulate the market, and offences are extended now to capture attempted manipulation. Benchmarks and some spot commodities are in scope of the manipulation offence. Further, there is a ban on insider dealing, so firms must already support suspicious transactions to their national authorities under the existing Market Abuse Directive Framework. Mark clarifies that the use of inside information to amend or cancel an order shall be considered to be insider dealing, and recommending or inducing others to transact on the basis of inside information amounts to unlawful disclosure of inside information. Thirdly, the disclosure of inside information is forbidden, and the definition is broadly unchanged from the existing directive, but has been widened to capture inside information for certain spot commodity contracts and for emissions allowances. Firms must notify their national regulators in case of delayed publication of any inside information, along with accompanying justification. And finally, suspicious transactions reporting. Uh, Anyone who suspects a breach of market abuse must notify their national regulatory authority without delay uh, and provide all the relevant information. Other requirements do apply around uh, market abuse regulation, including market soundings, accepted market practices, insider lists, and investment recommendations but will not be covered further here. So what instruments are in scope of MAR? Again, we look to the definition of financial instruments as defined by Annex 1, Section C of MIFID, the EU's financial market framework regulation. Essentially, any instrument admitted or traded on a regulated market, and put in simple terms, as an exchange, a multilateral trading facility, otherwise known as an MTF, or an organized trading facility, otherwise known as an OTF, which will come into force once MIFID II uh, is in force in January 2018. Coverage also extends to instruments whose price or value depends on or has an effect on the price or value of financial instruments. 
It should be noted that the definition of financial instruments currently defined by MIFID 1 will be changing in January 2018 with the introduction of MIFID 2. This will change the scope perimeter for commodity and wholesale energy transactions, and this is particularly relevant for MAR. This won't be discussed further on this podcast. Central to today's podcast is the use of technology to meet market abuse challenges, and in particular, how commodity market participants typically go about monitoring their traders to identify any behavior which might fall foul of the regulation. So unlike its sister regulation, Remit, which focuses only on power and gas markets, MAR requires that persons professionally arranging or executing transactions must have the ability to detect and report suspicious orders and transactions in accordance with the regulation, and that this should be achieved through the implementation of arrangements, systems, and procedures that are appropriate and proportionate to the scale, size, and nature of their business activity. The term appropriate and proportionate has been a source of consternation for many commodity trading firms, in particular those that don't possess financially regulated entities. These firms typically have a smaller compliance footprint and see the investment in sizable surveillance capabilities as somewhat excessive. I'll hand over now to Yasmin, who will explore the sort of options seen currently in the market and the types of things firms typically look for when selecting or building such a surveillance capability. So over to Yasmin. Thank you, Shane. So I'll start by firstly exploring the different ways of surveillance. Um, So this can range from your manual Excel spreadsheets to the more sophisticated automated solutions. So starting with the manual stuff, Typically, this is when you get your transactions, your trades and your orders presented in tables, potentially in Excel. It really is the needle in a haystack approach. It relies heavily on human effort and is unfortunately prone to human error and limitations due to the amount of data that certain tools can actually process. There's also limited ability to manage multiple data sources together and limited ability to assess historical trends. On the other hand, there are automated compliance solutions that can be used. These would typically run sophisticated algorithms across multiple data sources and flag up any potential non-compliant activity. These alerts are packaged with relevant information, um, allowing for workflow capabilities to also be used so that the user can um, audit exactly what they've done, what the comments are and how they've ended up closing off that case. In between the two, between manual and the fully automated solution, there are some in-between analytic data mining tools that could also be used. Not as sophisticated, so there won't be algorithms running for you. However, these tools can present your data in very clear graphs, allowing the analysts to spot suspicious activity a lot easier than you would on an Excel spreadsheet. So the next question that firms typically ask themselves is whether they should build or buy. There are many tools available on the market within the automated compliance space. Um, However, they do range in maturity. Some tools have historically come from the financial services background, so they do have lessons learned that can be applied to the energy markets. However, we should, should not look away from the complexity of the energy markets as well. Some firms are historically developed for the financial markets, but that does not mean that they will be suitable also for the energy With energy markets, there is a lot of additional data complexities from the different types of data that are all interlinked, adding to the surveillance complexities, such as your forecast, your capacity data, and should you have an asset, also the data that comes from the assets themselves. Lifecycle of energy contracts are also typically a lot more complex than the financial services, 
adding another layer of complexity to what you should be looking for in a surveillance capability. Looking forwards as well, um, beyond just automated compliance solutions, firms have typically started also looking at non-structured data, such as your voice, your chats, your text monitoring, your emails. We should also be starting to look at profiling capabilities, the ability to define the norm of either a client, defining the norm of your traders themselves, or defining the norm of a contract and how it's traded. And some firms, especially firms with a larger risk profile, may even look to do real-time monitoring so that they can be reactive to any changes or potential market abuse uh, incidents on the marketplace. So how do you define the right solution for your firm? We do recommend that firms conduct a market abuse risk assessment, really assessing the regulations, understanding their trading footprints, understanding the size of their trading footprints, and therefore understanding where their risks are and where they might be exposed. With the market abuse risk assessment, one will be able to understand at what sophistication their surveillance capability would need to be at. They would also understand whether they would need to build it internally due to unique or specific characteristics of their own trading organisation, or whether they could buy an off-the-shelf vendor solution. They would also be able to use that assessment to determine the implementation approach and the sequencing of what should go in first obviously aiming for your highest risks first so that you are covered sooner rather than later. So what to look for in a surveillance solution? Really ensuring that it covers all your transactions and your orders and all the types that it can handle all the types that you trade. You would need to define your alerting scenarios, making sure that the alerts and the models that you plan to have in place are actually relevant to the risks that you have and are relevant also to mitigate the, the market abuses defined by the regulators. You will need to look at the case management and workflow. So how do your analysts get an alert? How do they get an indication of potential market abuse? And how do they close that down with sufficient rigor? You would also need to consider the implementation, the phasing, and also the cost and licensing of the solution which can be significant, depending on the size and complexity of the surveillance solution that you'd like to go for. Thank you, Yasmin. So just to recap before we close off, market abuse regulation is now in force and requires firms to have some type of surveillance capability. Many energy and commodity firms are struggling to calibrate exactly what that requirement is, but have to choose between a vendor-developed solution or something which they develop themselves internally which, as Yasmin has described, has a number of different parameters to consider. It's worth noting that as market abuse regulation matures, both from a regulatory standpoint and from a market participant standpoint, and as case uh, precedent starts to establish clearer guidance and requirements for the industry, a lot of what we have discussed today might change. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. All the best.